2: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, December 8th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, state of Mississippi employees are seeing their insurance premiums rise again for the new year under the family coverage plan. Then, one of the state's largest teacher groups is calling for more investment in public education, plus infectious disease experts warn of a triple-demic of respiratory illnesses. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB the Radio. The New Year marks a rise in monthly health insurance premiums paid by state of Mississippi employees enrolled under the Family Coverage Plan. The average premium is $882 per month, according to the state's Department of Finance and Administration. It's more than $300 higher than the average for southeastern states, and some say this cost could make the ongoing teacher shortage even worse. Our Mike McEwen speaks with torn Ballard. He's director of K-12 Education Policy at Mississippi First, a nonprofit focused on early education. Ballard says in. Infl- has already reduced the effectiveness of the historic 2022 teacher pay raise.
3: Despite the fact that Mississippi teacher pay is lower than any point in the 21st century, insurance premiums on the state health plan are rising year after year, including this year, and it's exacerbating what's already a dire financial situation for many public school teachers as well as state employees, too. So, as you mentioned, starting this year, premiums for family coverage is now nearly $900 a month. So that winds up being over $10,000 a year, which is about one-third of take-home pay for teachers who are in their first couple years in the classroom. That level of price gouging is unnecessary. It's not normal in other states. And it's a major contributor to Mississippi's critical teacher shortage.
4: Yeah. Where does that monthly premium amount as it's risen in 2024, how does that compare maybe to other Southern states or other states with a similar economic outlook as Mississippi?
3: Sure. So the department of finance and administration has shared some numbers of what this looks like in other states. Um, And Mississippi, you know, it's funny. We are charging both some of the highest premiums for family coverage in the South while simultaneously offering the cheapest coverage. So what that means is that Mississippi is requiring teachers and state employees to pay a higher percentage of the overall premium cost than basically any other southern state at the moment.
4: As far as you're aware, is there a reason for that?
3: What it really boils down to is a policy choice for each state, including Mississippi. So in Mississippi, we have made a choice to heavily subsidize coverage for individual employees. So that means that if you are a single employee with no dependents, you might pay as little as zero dollars in health care premiums per month. But at the same time, we've made the choice not to cover a cent of premiums for eligible dependents. Now, the difference between us and many other southern states is that other states have made that choice to subsidize at least some of the premiums for eligible dependents. What that looks like in practice is you take a state like Florida, for instance, which actually hasn't raised insurance premiums for family coverage in something like 20 years. So teachers in Florida are paying about $180 a month for family coverage, which is about 20% of the cost in Mississippi at this point. And when you look at other compensation with other states. Um, You know, teacher pay is already going to be higher in most other southern states than Mississippi, which obviously is a big driver of teachers moving states to teach elsewhere. But once you factor in those healthcare costs, that's just one more reason for Mississippi teachers to pack up and teach in another state, which unfortunately is a trend that we've been seeing more and more in recent years.
4: And do you think, I guess in an inverse way, could it also impact on teacher recruitment? The critical teacher shortage in Mississippi was a large topic in this past year's election and has been for years. Democrat Brandon Presley described his desire to recruit more teachers to the state. Do you think it can impact on that as well?
3: Oh, absolutely. When you're talking about prospective teachers, they want to be in education. They want to be in classrooms. They're passionate about education. But at the end of the day, they also care about their own financial well-being, and that's something that we see time and time again in many of the teacher surveys that we've administered across the state. And luckily, we actually have been seeing increased – we've been seeing more people go into teacher preparation in Mississippi in recent years, which is a very welcome development, but it remains an open question of whether these prospective teachers will eventually take jobs in Mississippi or whether they might take jobs elsewhere where both salaries are higher and benefits are more generous. And so that's a big worry that we have is, sure, we have more people graduating from teacher prep in Mississippi. That doesn't mean they're going to teach in Mississippi classrooms.
4: And to your knowledge, you know how would you describe maybe the appetite with legislators to amend that subsidy and to take it from just subsidizing individual health care for state employees, but to eligible dependents?
3: I'm feeling optimistic at the moment. We introduced a bill in the last session that would have cut premiums in half for teachers with eligible dependents. Now, in 2023, that proposal did not go anywhere. It didn't even come up for a vote in the insurance committee where it was introduced, However, in the year since, there was a task force that took a very close look at the state health plan this past year, and among their recommendations was a recommendation to start looking into, at the very least, what it might cost to try to bring some of those premiums down for teachers with eligible dependents. That doesn't mean for sure that we will see a bill to actually accomplish that or whether that bill will go anywhere. But I am optimistic that more lawmakers are both paying attention to this issue and are taking it much more seriously.
2: Torn Ballard is the K-12 Education Policy Director at Mississippi First. Coming up, one of the state's largest teacher groups is calling for better investments into public education. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. AutoCorrect on mpb think radio helping you correct your auto problems our host is coach charlie milton asc
1: certified master technician
3: let me help save you some money working on your cars listen to our
5: podcast auto correct.
1: did you get a new vehicle this
0: holiday season car truck boat riding lawnmower That vehicle you no longer need can contribute to MPB continuing to provide award-winning productions, educational resources, and acclaimed news reporting. We accept all types of vehicles, even motorcycles or airplanes, with complimentary free towing included. Learn about our program or submit your information on our website, mpbonline.org.
3: Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abernathy, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio, or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Education policy activists are calling for greater investment into the state's public education school system. They want to see lawmakers increase funding through the state's funding formula called the Mississippi Adequate Education Program. But this program has only been fully funded twice in the roughly 25 years it's been in state law. Members of a statewide coalition now made up of educators, community activists, lawmakers met outside the Capitol building in Jackson last week as part of the Raise Mississippi initiative. And during that rally, Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons of Greenville called on his fellow legislators to address this important issue.
1: Our K-12 schools saw an increase in funding of about $100 million last legislative session but our K-12 schools are still underfunded by a total of $3 billion since 2008. Our schools, our students, they need and deserve full funding. They need and deserve full funding, and when our students in our schools receive that full funding, we have access to a broad range of in support services that include our school nurses, librarians, counselors, art and music teachers, and support staff for our students to be all that they could be. We'll have classrooms equipped with up-to-date technology, books, and learning materials that prepare them to compete in the global economy. We'll have nutritious meals and health services that enhance the whole student wellness we will have safe, clean and up to date school buildings. And yes, when we give our schools and our students the full funding that they need and deserve, we will have the best and brightest educators and school staff who also are paid a competitive living wage. When we do this, We are raising Mississippi because only when we do this, our schools and our students will take Mississippi to the next level. Let's raise our students. Let's raise our schools. Let's raise our economy. Let's raise Mississippi.
2: In addition to lawmakers, members of local communities throughout the state spoke in favor of increased education funding. Joyce Mathis is president of the Natchez Adams branch of the NAACP and a former president of MAE. She says improving schools in the state can prepare the next generation of workers and help fill jobs as the state faces a record low participation rate.
1: Today my role is
4: to emphasize that strong public schools build a bench of future workers. Workers our society cannot live without doctors, nurses, lawyers, electricians. I've been working to improve the quality of public education in Mississippi for over 33 years. We as a state continue to sell ourselves, our students, and our people short. We invite industry into our state, priding ourselves on low taxes and cheap labor, rather than developing a reputation as a research corridor filled with dedicated, resilient,
5: hardworking,
4: highly educated, intelligent people, ready and prepared to
2: access the jobs for the 21st century. Also speaking at the rally are educators in the classroom who say they often don't feel supported in the state's current system. George Stewart is president of the Jackson Association of Educators and also serves as a teacher in the classroom. The
5: very foundation of a great education system are great teachers. If you follow education news, then you know that we have a problem. All across the country, we have teachers leaving the classroom in droves. And Mississippi is not immune to that problem. Spend time in a Mississippi school and you'll find an educator who will say that this year is their last year. One reason why teachers leave the profession is because they don't feel supported. They feel like they don't feel supported financially. They don't feel they've been given the tools and the equipment or the resources needed to effectively educate the next generation of leaders. If our educators are not being supported, then our students are not being supported. So, we are here today to let decision makers know that it's time to prioritize public education. But it's not just decision makers in the Capitol who have work to do. We also have work to do as well. There is this idea that in order for our students to be successful, that the responsibility falls solely on the shoulders of educators, administrators, and everybody inside the school building. But that's simply not the case. In order for our children to be successful, it's gonna take all of us working together. And that's what Raise Mississippi is about. It's about us coming together, working together, collectively, raising our voices, raising up our children, raising up our schools, in an effort that leads to a greater school, which leads to a greater workforce, and in the end, Mississippi becomes great.
2: Last year, lawmakers did invest more than $100 million additional dollars into public education, but that one-time money was not part of the state's funding formula. Next, infectious disease experts warn of a triple-demic of respiratory illnesses. We'll tell you about it coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Start your work week with a morning of
3: locally produced programs on MPB Think Radio. At 9, it's Deep South Dining featuring conversations about Southern cuisine. Hear interviews with interesting Mississippians on Now You're Talking at 10. And at 11, there's information on Leading a Healthy Life on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.
1: matter if you use an app to start your car or still
5: have a flip phone.
1: Everyday tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.
3: If you aren't near a radio, you can still listen to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. You can download the MPB public media app for your smartphone or listen online at mpbonline.org.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi is seeing a surge in respiratory illnesses due to the flu, RSV, and COVID-19. Infectious disease experts are calling it a triple-demic. According to the most recent data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Mississippi is among a block of seven southern states that are seeing the highest levels of flu activity in the country. Dr. Bhagushri Navalkale is the Medical Director of Infection Prevention at the University of Medical Center, Mississippi Medical Center, that is. And she tells our Kobe Vance that this upward trend doesn't seem to be ending soon.
6: We are seeing a similar trend uh, with high number of respiratory viral illness activity ongoing. Uh, this is kind of, if you look at the CDC data, data coming from uh, various infectious disease uh, societies as well, we are seeing that there is a high trend with a lot of respiratory viral illnesses, as you mentioned, going around. Specifically in the hospital, what we are seeing is flu and COVID. Both uh, infections seem to be increasing uh, uptick in hospitalizations as well. Uh, so this is kind of a typical, like a flu season, where uh, you expect that you will see flu activity. Uh, however, it seems like we are seeing a high number of flu cases this season as compared to previous season. Uh, same thing with COVID uh, infections and hospitalizations. We haven't really seen a surge in the past year and now we have seen a uptick in our COVID-19 hospitalizations
0: as well. What are your thoughts when you, hear, when you start to see these rates rising? Uh, and, and I know it's kind of difficult to put it in perspective of like when you compare now to recent years, because we are still fairly close to the pandemic back in 2020. But, you know, I guess looking at things overall, how do we compare? And what do you think this could mean for Mississippians?
6: Yes, so as you mentioned that we have been just still fairly close to where the pandemic ended. But this was kind of the concern we had uh, to begin with uh, in Mississippi, in southern U.S., everywhere across U.S., that even though the pandemic ended, the COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 virus was still going to circulate around. It was just going to be a little bit milder form. And then we already have other viral infections, which we kind of see uh, trending upwards during the fall and flu season. This triple pandemic threat uh, has been concerning for a very long time, that over a period of time, we will have a, a time frame when we will start seeing all three viruses circulating around. Uh, if you look at the flu activity data, uh, Mississippi is actually shown to be in purple, which is like the highest flu activity seen within U.S. So this, uh, we all, and Health Department just released uh, some send influenza-like illness rates where seems like just in the past two weeks' time frame, there has been a 40% increase in influenza-like illness activity rate across Mississippi. So there are a lot of patients or uh, people coming with fever and cough or sore throat, some kind of viral illness ongoing. This is mostly all flu A. We have close to 15 patients with COVID infection in the hospital right now. Uh, so overall, I think that we need to be very vigilant that uh, it could be uh, just a common cold virus, but it could also be any of this uh, triple-demic viruses, COVID, RSV, or flu. And uh, Mississippians specifically need to be uh, very careful and follow all precautions and testing Uh, when they are uh, having a get-together, a holiday gathering, or if
0: they are sick. You mentioned holiday gatherings. Infectious disease experts like yourself have been warning people about the dangers of going to a a gathering when you feel sick. And we're just coming out of the major holiday season of uh, 2023. Do you think we're going to continue to see cases rising at the same rates uh, since it is so widespread at this point? Yeah,
2: uh,
6: so... uh, I think that is uh what currently the trend seems to be. So, you know, we ended with uh Thanksgiving and usually there is a time lag where you start seeing cases uh, turning positive and then time lag in at least 2 to 3 weeks for hospitalizations and at least 4 weeks for deaths. So, it seems like during the Thanksgiving holiday gathering, probably that could have resulted in some uh, sick contacts being together causing a slow uptrend towards uh increase in viral illnesses and then we immediately got into Christmas and New Year's and that co- kind of resulted in also large number of indoor gatherings as well and one of the concerns uh, as you mentioned is just uh, somebody feeling sick but ignoring uh, what their symptoms could be or could be mild symptoms and still going ahead with being uh, around other people, which increases uh, risk for transmission of infection. So, I mean, we have, we are still seeing some amount of gatherings, and uh, holiday season is still kind of coming to an end. So, uh, there is probably likely going to be a lag period where we kind of continue to see this trend uptrend and uh, come towards a peak of this viral illness season right now.
0: There has been identified a new variant, a relatively new variant, of the COVID-19 virus. It's called JN1. It seems like mm-hmm. we've seen reports from the CDC that this is spreading across the United States pretty fast. Do you think this is playing a big factor in at least COVID cases?
6: There is a very good possibility that that's why we are seeing a uptrend in our COVID-19 infections but there are probably other factors as well. So one of the other important factors is again, anytime you are having a viral illness, if you don't get tested and you don't know if it is COVID or not, then there is a chance of spreading it to others. So we don't know how much of this is has really been underreported and under-tested. So that's why we are coming to know about it right now. The other part of it is immunity. So usually, even if you have had COVID infection before, you can still be susceptible to get infection from any of the new variants which circulate around. And as I mentioned that the last time we actually saw a kind of uptake, kind of a high number of COVID activity was last year. So we almost went a year without high COVID activity and. The low immunity among the population, of course, increases the risk that if there is a new variant which comes along, which has high transmission, then it's going to spread around in this low immune population very easily.
0: Dr. Bageshri Navalkale is an associate professor and is medical director of infection prevention at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thank you so much for your time today.
6: Thank you very much for having me.
2: This has been Mississippi Edition on
0: MPB Think Radio.